Disciple Podcast, where we explore the ins and outs of university life and unpack what it means to be a disciple on campus. Oh, good morning, Father Nicholas. Good morning, sister. How are you? Doing well. Welcome back. Thank you. You too. Episode three. They go so quickly. <laughs> they yeah. do. They do. And um, we won't leave you hanging much longer, Nathan. Very welcome to the You Disciple podcast. Yeah, thank you. Good morning, sister. Morning, father. Great to be with you guys this morning. Yeah. And if people are listening to the podcast in the evening, well, good evening mm. to you yeah, too Yeah, good well. evening. That's okay. Um, I believe this is your first ever podcast, Nathan. It is my first ever podcast. Long time listener. Uh, first time podcaster speaker so there you go um great setup here by the way guys looks really good mm-hmm. uh, very professional i very saw someone on the abc that had just the same just kit the, same the other kit. day and there i thought go. oh father nicholas knows no, the no, good knows stuff his gear. yeah mm. knows his gear um tell us a little bit about yourself nathan uh well i am a husband and father of three beautiful young boys uh five three and about 20 months i think kind of lose track John Henry. Um, yeah, cute. John Henry's little cutie. And shout out to my other boys, Benny and Davey. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be listening to this, or if you are, I don't know how you got access to mum or dad's phone, but <laughs> it's okay. Um, yeah, I work uh, alongside you guys and uh, full-time in the in the Archdiocese of, of Melbourne, which is a, a, a great job to have. And yeah, it's a really exciting time at the moment with things finally opening up, um, having students back on campus, which is so great to see after two long years of lockdown. Um, yeah, I remember being a, being a student, doing two units, uh, studying uh, from home, and that they were optional back in the day pre-COVID, and I really did not like them at all, apart from the first day where you think, oh, yeah, I don't have to commute. And then as soon as it starts, and you just think, oh, I'm sitting on my bed, no eating friends. food, yeah. no friends, mm-hmm. no one can see me, no accountability, and... This isn't very motivating. And I said a couple of weeks ago, I've been the chaplain of a ghost campus for the last 12 months, but it's been really um, just wonderful over the last few weeks to see students back, both for O-Week, but also for the first few weeks of class and um, really starting to reconnect with each other. Mm. Um, And so many of our Catholic clubs and societies are starting to run some really great events and drawing people together. So it's just been... Been catching the train by myself and all of a sudden I can't get a seat. Can't get a seat on the yeah. train. Mm. Some nice people give me a seat. I was going to say, like, because oh, you good. get those stickers above the seats for sort of old people. <laughs> sort of Religious. Expectant yeah. mothers and then, like, do Religious people sort sisters. of see a sister? And no, you it's go. very sweet sometimes, though, when people just give you the nod. You know who gives mm. me the, like, acknowledges in, like, my presence? Knowing, oh, like, sister, sister. Have a, please sit down. Yeah. yeah. And other times, you know, my favourite people on the commute, uh, homeless people. Yeah. They're so respectful and beautiful. So, I don't know, they're my new favourite people. There you go. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we're, we're sort of heading through our Lenten journey. Um, Nathan, what did you give up for Lent? Oh, a few things. A uh, lot of social media. I'm doing a bit of a social media fast, including YouTube. Um, Fox Sports, a big one for me, always keeping mm-hmm. up to date. So, I'm trying to cut all that out. Apart from Sundays, I sort of dip my toe back in the water on Sundays um, alcohol, some food things and taking a bit more prayer exercise, that sort of thing. Every lane I sort of look at, you know, what's going to bring me closer to God, what's going to help me be a better father, better husband, better at work and try to bring those things into my, my discipline, into my practice. So yeah. What about you guys? Well, 
every Lent I look forward to this week because mm. it's it's the week of feasts. That's it's it. St. Patrick's Day yes, yes. and St. Joseph's Day. Um, was it was it last year one of the those big feasts fell on a Friday? It it definitely was because yeah. I was, I remember being so grateful Friday and Lent, but it's a big feast day. Well, it'll be St. Joseph because it's Saturday this year. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you, St. Joseph. Very much appreciated. So did you just eat... You know, fish oh, on look, a Wednesday just to look, make up. No, I didn't. I don't. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to share too much, sister, on my indulgences on a on a Friday during. And it was a feast day, but um, I'll just keep it at that. Big. Well, a few weeks ago, we did tackle the big question: Do you wash your ashes off after mm. after ash present the same mass? But I suppose the other big Lenten sort of dispute always is: Is do you break your Lenten penances on Sundays and solemnities, sister? Yes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 You can't. Yes, absolutely. Every Sunday is Easter. The yeah. Lord the Lord is risen. Yeah, you're not absolutely. allowed to do that. On the ashes on the forehead washing question, this year was the first time I went to a night Ash, Ash Wednesday Mass. And so it was at 7.30 and I got home and I thought, do I wash them up before going to bed? <laughs> and so I, I didn't, but then again, I don't do the washing in my oh, house. So. Sorry, Jen. Mm. So, sorry, hon. We're going to tackle that question that we're sort of the whole podcast about today. And again, a bit of a deeper dive into what it means to be a disciple, mm. um, what it means to be a disciple as a university student on a campus. Nathan, mm. if you had to sum it up in in one one line, one phrase, Sister Mary Howland hates the one-liners, but if, one-liners, you, the sound if, you had to, if you had to give us a soundbite sort of of what what does it mean to be a disciple on a university campus here in Melbourne at the moment? What what would it be? I think it would just be a disciple is someone who follows Christ. And so regardless of your context, whether that's university campus or otherwise, like you need to be someone in relationship with Jesus as a prayer life. And so um, it's not quite a soundbite or a sentence, but it's the, the principles there. It's just the you need to have an ongoing active relationship with Jesus. You're listening to the You Disciple Podcast, where we put the you in disciple. We, we want to ask each of our guests, where, where exactly do you think we put the you in disciple, Nathan? Wait, um, good question. <laughs> there is no you in disciple. Um, does the you stand for university? Um, I think so. <laughs> yeah. I should know that, shouldn't I? Oh, yeah. No, it does. Uni. <laughs> Uni disciple. University disciple. Mm. But it could also mean you. Yeah. You, you are the disciple. Yeah. You are the disciple. That's right. I see what you did there. That's good. Yeah. yeah. yeah well done. Mm. So we're going to break it open a little bit. So, um, Nathan, one of your roles here in the diocese is helping all young people sort of really come to this greater understanding of what it means to be a follower of Christ, what it means to be a disciple, and in a particular way where we are really talking about it in that university context. Um, it's not always easy for mm. students to sort of um, be a follower of Christ on campus, is it? No, definitely not. It's always, um, you know, a lot of social pressures, you know, cultural battles and that sort of thing. But I think you can have a lot of confidence in just knowing that our our faith and who Jesus is, that he's a, a living person, that God is alive. And it's not about trying to, you know, understand the full worldview or the or the philosophy or the or the theology of the church, which is so rich and beautiful and amazing. But you can always bring it back to basics, and that is, who is Jesus to me, and how am I, you know, fostering that relationship? Um, can I just share a quick quote 
um, by Pope Francis go, on, go on for this it. thing, which I, which I love. This is, this, is some, this is the good stuff. So if you've got a pen, write this down. Um, so this is from Christus Vivit, which is Pope Francis's uh, uh, message to young people. He says, Christ is alive. We need to keep reminding ourselves of this because we can risk seeing Jesus Christ simply as a fine model from the distant past, as a memory, as someone who saved us 2,000 years ago. But that would be of no use to us. It would leave us unchanged. It would not set us free. The one who fills us with his grace and the one who liberates us, transforms us, heals and consoles us is someone fully alive. And I think that's something you need to take to heart, that Jesus Christ is a living person. He's the living God. And so we can have um, a relationship. We can have an active prayer life. And um, I know in my own life, I remember a, a few sort of instances where I felt like I had a bit of a prayer life going. And one time when I was um, studying, I was in a, a household for, for Catholic men and we were you know, doing life together. And each morning I would go and to go to adoration and, and pray. And I was reading a lot of books and thinking I was doing a really good job praying. And one day I came home and one of my housemates said, oh, you didn't do your dishes <laughs> this morning. Uh-huh. You left the, the sink dirty. And I was like, oh yeah, I was in a bit of a, sorry about that. I was in a bit of a rush. I wanted to get to adoration. And he, he was a, a great guy, a great gift of being very loving, but also very direct. He said, it's great that you're going, you know, having prayer every morning, but you know, not doing your dishes, like do you see like a bit of a, a disconnect there? There you go. And I was like, yeah, I, I do see that. And in my experience, you know, when you're praying, um, it or it doesn't, it never makes you more insular. It makes you more aware of of others and the and the people around you. And so, um, people talk about campus as a bit of a mission field, but I think it's important to remember whose mission field that it's it's Christ's mission field. And so, um, if we want to be influential on campus, that we need to know Jesus, and we need to have that active ongoing relationship with him i think it's um really important that we sort of sometimes stop and sort of take some of that in because there's Mm. there's a lot there and it's like why does the guy from the council decide that friday morning when we record a podcast Mm. is the best time to blow the leaves he's cleaning the street here we go he's coming past if, oh if, gosh if, if, caring for the if you can hear that in the background there's nothing we can do about it um <laughs> but i think he's doing a good job this though. is one of the things that i think it took me as a <laughs> as a young catholic a bit of a while to sort of come to terms with is that i can i can access the lord in lots of ways i can access him through the scriptures i can access him through the teachings of the church. I can access him through service of the poor and love of my neighbor, as you're talking about, and works of mercy. But I can also access him directly. Like he's, mm. he, yeah. he, he wants to speak into my heart. Yeah, presently today. Yeah. I think um, just to be very, very practical, when I was in uni, I remember I was doing a lot of, I was doing all science engineering, my first degrees. And uh, I, rem- I, I mean, I wanted to pray, but you'd sit there and you'd just not, sometimes not have the sense that God was present. And I remember almost having to do this uh, because I was very into physics at the time. I had to sit there and say, I believe you are present because if right now you were not willing physics to work this way, I'd fall (laughs) through the floor. You know, like just Mm. very, I mean, because that's the frame you're in. How do I have a an actual present sense that you are here because it's not always going to be an emotional um, mm. sense, but 
how do I make that act of faith that you are here? Um, and so then when I'm on campus, I'm, I'm not on my own. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, but I think this is real balance because it's sometimes we can then go to the other extreme and sort of go, well, I just know him and I believe him and it's all will and knowledge and intellect. Sure. And there's no emotion. Yeah. And it's, it's mm. well, I think we generally find with the Lord that it's neither one or the other. It's always yeah. both and. It's sort of, it's, he, he, and he reveals himself to us in different ways at different times. Yep. Um, and that's why I generally say to young people, like, um, you, you need to know him with your mind. You need to love him with your heart. You need to feel him with your senses and you need to trust him when all the others fail. Like right. at one point or the other, sometimes it will feel good. Sometimes it, it won't. you will know and you'll understand and you'll comprehend and you'll mm-hmm. believe. Other times you just have to trust, but yeah. it's it's being able to move through those things at dif- at the different points in in your life, right? Mm. That his presence stays consistent no matter what your felt experience of it may be. Yeah, and so that confidence that God loves you, that He knows you, that He wants to be with you. There's such your life has so much meaning and purpose, and you know He wants to help you discover that and reveal who you are and who you're you're called to be. And so having that um. Yeah, that pushing through those those dry spells in in prayer is really important, especially when you're not not feeling it, because you just need to you, know, you never know what's around the corner. So God can move so quickly, so fast, and yes. even if you are in a dry spell, it can um, he can shock you. All those moments of doubt in your mind, right? It's like mm. those times where something really tough happens, mm. or there's there's a a moment of disappointment or discouragement. And you begin to doubt with your mind, sort of trusting that even in those moments, he's still there. Yes. Mm. That you may be doubting and that you may be questioning or you may be searching, um, but he is still there for you. And I think that's a, especially for university students, like you could be sitting in a library listening to this now, you could be on a tram, you could be in the middle of South Lawn at the University of Melbourne. um, And the Lord is like, he is alive and he is reaching out to you. Mm -hmm. um, Even if you can't fully comprehend that yet. Mm. Yes. Um, and that there's a great, great deal of sort of, of reasons to believe it throughout 2000 years of, of yes. history. Mm. Um, but then you, there, I listened to a talk the other day. It was very helpful by this, um, and you can look him up, uh, RJ Snell, excellent talk on can you be spiritual or can you be religious or spiritual or not religious, that whole silly thing. But uh, he made a great point about the challenge it is today in our century that, that the conditions that we're living in make it difficult to believe that God is present. Where, uh, you know, take it back a thousand years, it would be difficult to not believe that he's present because there was a real awareness that, that God is acting and present and the world is charged with grace. Uh, there's a stuff going on that you can't see. Where today we're so clinical about things that uh, it's, it's a real effort of faith to to believe that God is alive and, and present mm. with me. So, And I think one of the ways that he is present to us in a most particular way is in and through his church, yep. in and through the community of disciples. And so as a people of faith, as a Christian people, as a Catholic people, we believe that we can actually feel and experience and know his presence in and through the church yeah. and the members of the church and the body of Christ and the community of disciples. And so not only were we called to be in a relationship with him, but we were called to be in a relationship with him, with his body, with the church. Mm. And I think that's a really important thing on campus. 
because it can be really isolating, especially as a person of faith. Mm. Um, or say you've got lots of questions. Where do you find yourself? Where do you reach out and find the Lord first and foremost? It's in and through his disciples. Mm. And I think we're really blessed on campus to have great Catholic clubs and societies and communities you can plug into. Because You're right, Father, like it's hard to do it um, by yourself and you need to be surrounded and have that that support. One person I always think of when I think of, you know, fellowship, friendship, community of believers with the faith is a, a great young saint, uh, blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati, mm-hmm. who I'm a big fan of. Um, one of the things he used to do was organize, you know, mountain hikes, um, football games, big ski. He was really into his sport, but um, he was able to make community. And it wasn't necessarily, you know, we're all coming here to, to pray or all coming here to do adoration or they weren't sort of church things or religious things. Um, but he was able to just recognize the, the things that people are interested in life and be able to do that in a really good way, wholesome way, virtuous way. Um, and he was able to bring people into the fold that way. And um, yeah, he was a great leader and example in building good Catholic Christian community and fellowship. And he was very unthreatening, he was very generous um, with his time. And um, I remember when Oh, not I wasn't there. <laughs> I was going to say I remember when he died. I yeah, don't. No. I don't remember that at all. He died nearly a hundred years ago. Um, but when they were all his friends got together and all these stories started coming out about all the wonderful things he had done, um, his friends said, "You know, the whole time Pier Giorgio was with us, we never once thought of him as a saint. But the moment he died, we knew." There you go. And it was the way that he was just able to, you know, be very intentional with people and to see where people were at and not be too um, confronting or over the top, a very uh, invitational. And he just lived his life as a great witness. Like everyone knew that he was, you know, daily mass, go, go to adoration, do all these wonderful things, had a great prayer life. But he, from his prayer life, flowed this desire to bring people into community. And so um, finding, you know, good good community on campus doesn't have to be, you know, we're praying the rosary every day, we're doing this, we're doing that. It can just be, you know, starting a, you know, some sort of, get together or group or, or whatever it might be, whatever your shared interests are and just doing things that you enjoy together that yeah. are fun, that are, you know, um, make you want to, to be together, make you want together. Yeah. And I, well, I think that that's one of our goals over the next um, couple of years on our campuses, especially from, I suppose, the perspective of the discipleship team in particular, but that's to sort of say, well, as a church, as a community of disciples, we care about the whole person. We're not, yes, the formation in faith and in the mind and in the heart of the individual is great, but it's also, are you a good student? Um, are you growing as an individual? Are you building healthy relationships with others? Are you going to um, be a good professional in in mm. whatever occupation you choose to be? Like, mm. This is the community of disciples. Mm. It's It's much broader. And why is that? Because that's what the Lord wants. The Lord is invested in the whole person, in each and every part of you, not just do you go to church on a Sunday. Well, that's mm. important and it's of the utmost importance. The Lord actually cares about all those other parts of you as well and so do so does the church. That's mm. it. And that's the, that's our baptismal call, right, to, to bring Christ, to bring the gospel into every realm of life. And I love the reference to Pier Giorgio because I for a long time thought we need people to teach people how to have good fun. Mm. That fun doesn't equal sin. 
you can have fun that is real fun that's fun the next day also uh you know um but i think pier giorgio was good like that which is, mm. yeah. yeah and the whole idea of you know your prayer life or of christ flowing into every aspect of your life it's actually really healthy and really good and so often we have this idea that our faith is sort of sidelined and it's something we do on sundays or it's something we do privately when we go to mass or we pray but really it should be animating all that we do and there's no reason why you know christ can't be at the center of our relationships of our work of our study our our play even because he just he gives so much and we don't lose anything by bringing god into the to the center of it he he wants what's best for us he desires our goodness he desires our our flourishing he wants us to be whole to be healed to be experiencing the fullness of life and so mm. um it can be tempting to sort of see god as outside of those things but really if we want to experience in its fullness it's great to have him at the heart of it yeah. and like that great line from saint paul um the reason for the joy that you give the reason for the joy that you have within you it's mm-hmm. like we are called to be people of joy um and so our christian community should be marked by joy and i think that's the thing that i like the most about pierre giorgio there's this great photo of him sort of drinking holding a wine <laughs> bottle and wearing a paper hat and mm. it's obviously not the first wine bottle that he's sort of holding for that <laughs> afternoon surrounded by his friends and like obviously all things in moderation but that as Christians our our communities and our gatherings of disciples should be marked by joy mm. and that doesn't mean that there's not serious things out there it doesn't mean that we don't have to then go out and face the struggles and challenges but that's what the community and the the um the experience that we have with each other is what strengthens us to go back out mm. and to face. So we shouldn't be afraid to actually stop and say, okay, there is a whole heap of problems in the world and in the church and in society that we need to work on, but we can actually stop and as a community rejoice and, and give thanks for the good that we do have, be grateful and enjoy each other's company. And mm. that's where we re-energize ourselves mm. and we, we go back out into the world. The other obvious place for energy and the source of all of our energy is our sacramental life and our prayer. And again, it's one of those beautiful things of our communities on all of our campuses is that they are sort of built on that foundation of prayer and Mm. of the sacraments in our church, which really is the lifeblood of the Christian community. And again, I think Pierre Giorgio is a great model of that. Um, one of the things he, he was a very wealthy young man. His his father was a, a ambassador for for the Italian Parliament. His um, why uh, his mother was a really accomplished artist. Had one of her paintings bought by the King of France, and so he grew up in a life of you know maids and butlers, mansions, holiday homes, all these sorts of things. And one of the things he would do is after school, after uni, he would go down to the, the slums of Turin and he would go to the households and sit with the people and just listen. But he would uh, provide financially. At the time of his death, he was pro- financially providing for over 120 families and you know just little things like food, medicine, clothes, all that sort of thing. And one day he brought one of his friends along with him. And after they went through to a couple of these apartments in the slums, his friend said to him, how do you stand the stench of like these dirty, dirty places? And Pier Giorgio said, Christ comes to me every morning in Holy Communion and I repay him by visiting his poor. Mm-hmm. And so for Pier Giorgio, his sacramental life was a, what, the life force of um, the work and chari- the charitable work in particular that he did. And, and it's such a blessing. We're so blessed in the as Catholics to have access to, to Christ in the sacraments and especially um, – 
the Eucharist and confession as well. I love confession. <laughs> I'm so, so blessed that my, my parish, we have confession for every single mass and it's just so wonderful to be able to go there and um, not just as a, from a purely spiritual thing, but even just from a, a purely human level, it's good to acknowledge when you've <laughs> fallen short and to take that sort of ownership of your life and it helps you refocus and to regather yourself. And so, um, yeah, especially during Lent as we are right now, I think, um, taking, making an opportunity for yourself to go to confession this Lent, I'd be a, a huge recommendation for me because there's nothing greater than hearing those words of of absolution and um, knowing that Christ cleanses you, desires to give you His mercy and bring you into this new way of life, which is so, um, so awesome and so healing and and wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good last night. I was at um, I was at the what do you call that Holy Hour. And uh, it was just really great. I mean, something like that, this Eucharistic devotion has become really the center for a lot of youth activities around the world. Uh, it's amazing how Eucharistic adoration has become a real mark of young people's experience of their faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, even our new like, blessed Carlo Acuntas, it's everything is about the Eucharist. So that's really a, a point of hope, I think. Yeah, I said to these students on Ash Wednesday at the University of Melbourne, I said, the beauty of the Catholic Church is that we um, we have the communion of saints and throughout the history of the church, there have been saints from every walk of life um, and from every culture and from every different experience sort of that could be, so there's always someone that we can be attracted to. But the one thing in, in that breadth that all the saints have in common is daily mass or daily devotion to the blessed sacrament mm. like it's the one thing of of all things and so like if if you want to grow in holiness um and this was definitely the case in my own life in my own discernment of my vocation in my own um journey as a university student where i was lucky enough to live near a place where i could get to daily mass mm. and my faith just sort of accelerated exponentially when I started receiving the Lord in the Eucharist every day. Isn't it true? And how the Lord would just sort of pull out a line from the Mass and just form you that way. Mm. You didn't need to be reading thousands of other books. Mm. I mean, we didn't have hundreds of other podcasts. We didn't have all those things. Back in the day. Back when (laughs) I was young. (laughs) But just the Mass. The Lord speaks through the Mass or um, simply. And again, like go when you're tired. Go when you go when <laughs> go you're anyway. exhausted. Go if you've been out at the pub the night before. Like, just mm. be there. Place yourself before the Lord, however you are. And that's it. And that's it. And yeah. and He responds to that generosity. Um, I've said to students, go to the Latin Mass. Go to the Novus Ordo. <laughs> go to the. It's if it's the Mass, go to the Mass. Like, if you're avoiding a Mass because it's not the the perfect Mass. You're avoiding the Lord who's reaching out through all time and space to mm. speak to you on that on that given day. And university, I suppose, is one of those times where you actually have a bit more freedom and the ability if you want to make it a priority. So mm. I really encourage the students at Melbourne, but also at any <laughs> university, this Lent in particular, um, I said, maybe not commit to doing it for the rest of your university year, but maybe for Lent, sort of commit mm. commit to going to Mass. Obviously, at the end of Mass, we, we get those, um, those words, go and proclaim the gospel. Um, and that's that sort of real final stage of discipleship, really, is that it's, we have been given this great gift, we've been fed, we've been nourished, we've been supported as a community, 
but it's not something to keep in our own sort of hearts. It's something that we're called to then go and to preach to the world. Mm. I think a lot of people struggle to share the gospel or the kerygma, which just means like the basic gospel message, because we don't really know how to articulate it really well. And oftentimes you find yourself, you know, trying to invite someone or you want people to to come to know Jesus, but you don't really know how to go about doing that. And so sometimes you can might be easy to invite them to a retreat or say, come to mass or whatever. But I think it's in re- really important in your own life to know and live the the gospel and to know the basic gospel tenets. And so I want to share another quote from Pope Francis. Um, this is also from Christus Vivit. And it's, he calls it his three truths that he wants um, people to know about, about Jesus. And so um, he says, the very first truth I would tell each of you is this, God loves you. It makes no difference whether you've already heard it or not. I want to remind you of it. God loves you. Never doubt this. Whatever may happen to you in life at every moment, you are infinitely loved. For him, you have worth. You, ha- you are not insignificant. You are important to him. For you are the work of his hands. That is why he is concerned about you and looks to you with affection. The second great truth is that Christ, out of love, sacrificed himself completely in order to save you. Finally, there is a third truth, inseparable from the second. Christ is alive. Um, one thing I really like about uh, Pope, what Pope Francis says here, he sums it up so simply and so quickly. Like God loves you and he's here living by your side to enlighten, strengthen and free you. And that's what he says in his other uh, work um, in Guardium, Evangelii Gaudium, sorry. And he su- this is the kerygma in one sentence. This is the best summary of the kerygma I found and I really like sharing with people. That Jesus Christ loves you. He gave his life to save you. And now he is living at your side every day to enlighten, strengthen, and free you. Um, for me, I just, I love that quote because when people think about, oh, why should I, you know, be interested in the faith? Why should I be interested in, in Jesus? Because, well, God loves you and he's made you and he knows you. And in my own experience of knowing Jesus and having my relationship with Jesus, it brings so much freedom in my, in my life and you know, everyone develops bad habits or bad attitudes and you get sort of, you know, selfish and prideful or whatever. But um, knowing that Christ is alive and that he's interested in me and he wants me to be transformed and to be renewed and changed. And so, um, yeah, that my everyday prayer life is so um, wholesome. It grows you and it transforms you. And so uh, when you invite people into the faith, you want them to have a relationship with Christ. Yeah. And it's This is the You Disciple podcast. For more information on what's happening on a campus near you, go to udisciple.melbournecatholic.org. If you're watching the uh, video podcast, uh, you'll see Sister Mary Helen. Just rewind and watch her talk over the ad break there. It was <laughs> Sorry, I should okay. have given you a bit of a... 
it's all good. We're out of time. Great. We promised people that we weren't going to keep them longer than 30 minutes. That's it. So, study. Um, we're, we're back next week. So we've got lots of things to um, unpack. But just uh, on that, so next week, Sister Mary Helen, we're really excited because we're, we're starting to open up uh, Father Jacques Philippe's Time for God. Mm-hmm. And so this is going to be a little bit of a, um, a series that we do between now and the end of Lent. So um, if you don't already have a copy, you can get the Kindle version really cheap. Or if you reach out to your chaplain or your discipleship officer, um, we've got copies for you to get your hands on. So reach out to someone on campus uh, and you can follow along with us. Otherwise, listen, it's a really... It's excellent. It's so pithy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, excellent. I'm going to stop there. It's prayer. It, it, it's really, it's that deep dive into sort of the basics of prayer. So a really wonderful thing for Lent. But the only other thing, and I picked this up recently, um, I'm really excited about Father this. Father really wants everyone to come to his course. <laughs> <laughs> so Savannah Scarf and I are doing the Unlocking the Mystery of the Bible. So that starts next week as well. So all the details for that are on the website at udisciple.melbournecatholic.org. Or you could join me on Tuesdays at 1 p.m. online. Or We're, Crash Course in Aquinas. So there's plenty of oh, stuff happening stuff. on and around campus. So um, thanks, Nathan. Thanks for coming in. Uh, thanks for having me. Thanks, sister. Thank you. We'll see you on and around campus. Whether you've been listening to us on the tram, in the library, or on your way to class, Thanks for listening to this week's You Disciple podcast. Share, like, and subscribe, and we hope to see you on and around campus. The You Disciple podcast is a production of the Catholic Archdiocese of Melbourne.